Hello and welcome to another episode of But Have You Heard About? I'm your host, Courtney. Today, we are taking a little detour from fun, gripping, or little-known history to dive into something a bit more creepy. Today, we are talking about the history of haunted and creepy dolls. What makes many of us shiver in fear of Raggedy Ann and Andy, or even clowns? How long have creepy dolls been a thing? What about some haunted dolls in history? Stay tuned, and I will cover all of that and more. I, I hope. But let's start with a brief history of dolls. The name baby doll originated from the name Dorothy, which was used in the late 19th century. But before that, they were referred to as toy babies. Children, but mostly girls, have played with dolls for thousands of years. The first documented dolls, which look something like we know today, are the dolls of ancient Japan. I'm going to butcher all these names, so I apologize in advance. The Hina Daruma and Kokishi dolls date back to 8,000 BC and are an important part of Japanese culture. Uses lucky charms, religious icons, and childhood toys, dolls have a long history in Japan. Ancient Egypt and Rome also had dolls for their children, made from clay, wood, ivory, or rags. These dolls were children's playthings and were also used for educational purposes. Newlywed women would offer their dolls to goddesses as a sacrifice. Ancient Greek dolls had movable limbs and were more lifelike than any previous attempts. These dolls have been found in children's graves and tombs, often dressed in dolls' clothing that would resemble children of that time period. Nesting dolls are Russian and are believed to be some of the earliest European dolls. They are hollow, wooden dolls which fit inside each other, hence why we call them nesting dolls. Not the most cuddly choice when it comes to dolls. Clay dolls were made in Germany and France in the 13th century. In the 16th century, wooden dolls dressed in miniature clothes were still popular toys. What had been a peasant's toy became the choice for European aristocracy and royalty by the 17th century. French and British doll makers began to make more larger dolls, which had real hair, detailed clothing, and painted faces. In the Victorian era, glass eyes changed from being brown to blue, inspired by Queen Victoria. This was the beginning of dolls as we know them today. However, not everyone could afford these luxury toys. Remember when we talked about Victorians mourning death using real hair? And sometimes if you didn't have the ability to have, you know, your loved one's hair given to you, sometimes they would just kind of give you random hair. Yeah. So using real hair and your dolls, cool stuff. Settlers and working class people invented alternatives for their children. Dolls made from pegs. Apples or corn husks began to appear around this time. And while dolls were absolutely still played with by many middle class and upper class girls, dolls as we know them didn't become a staple in homes until the Industrial Revolution and mass production made them cheaper and easier to consume. Most likely, these early 20th century, late 19th century dolls are what started many people's fear of dolls or pediophobia, which is a really weird word to say. Dolls, and it must be said, not all dolls don't really frighten people so much as they creep them out. And that is a different emotional state altogether. By virtue of the fact that dolls are people in miniature, unanimated by their own emotions, it's easy for a society to project whatever it wants onto them. Just as much as they could be made out of anything, they could be made into anything. Just think of Barbie. As you can tell, there's quite a tradition of using dolls to reflect cultural values and how we see children or how we wish them to be. 
For example, by the end of the 19th century, many parents no longer saw their children as unfinished adults, but rather regarded childhood as a time of innocence that ought to be protected. In turn, dolls' faces took on more of an angelic look. Dolls also have an instructional function, often reinforcing gender norms and social behavior. Through the 18th and 19th century, dressing up dolls gave little girls the opportunity to learn to sew or knit. Girls also used to act out social interactions with their dolls. Not only the classic tea parties, going to school, getting married, but also more complicated social rituals, such as funerals. You know, it was always Ken that wasn't dressed well for funerals in my house. In the early 20th century, right around the time that women were increasingly leaving the home and entering the workplace, infant dolls became more popular, introducing young girls into a cult of maternal domesticity. In the second half of the 20th century, Barbie and her career options provided girls with alternative aspirations, while action figures offered boys a socially acceptable way to play with dolls. Because G.I. Joe is a doll. Come for me if you want, but I'm right and you are absolutely wrong if you disagree. The recent glut of boy-crazy, bizarrely proportioned, hyper-consumerist girl dolls, think Bratz or Monster High, says something about how society sees girls and how girls see themselves, although what is another, like, totally different discussion. So dolls, without meaning to, mean a lot. Whether it is teaching us different functions in society, getting to play out fantasies of our own, whether it be getting married, having 10 kids, getting divorced, running Ken over with a car, throwing your horrible stepsister out the window, whatever it may be. Dolls mean a lot. But one of the more relatively recent ways we relate to dolls is a strange object of, and this is totally scientific term, creepiness. Research into why we think things in general are creepy and what potential use that might have is somewhat limited, but it does exist. Creepy, in the modern sense of the word, has been around since the middle of the 19th century. Its first appearance in the New York Times was in 1877 reference to a story about a ghost. Obviously, because ghosts sure as hell are creepy. In 2013, Frank McAndrew, a psychologist at Knox College in Illinois, and Sarah Kanucki, a graduate student, put out a small paper on their working hypothesis about what creepiness means. The paper is based on the results of a survey of more than 1,300 people investigating what creeped them out. Collecting dolls was named as one of the creepiest hobbies. So what exactly is creepiness? So what creepiness is comes down to uncertainty. You're getting mixed messages. If something is clearly frightening, you scream, you run away. It's a stereotype when watching horror films and what you're doing to be scared. If something is disgusting, you know how to act. If you put something gross in your face, bleh. if someone is doing something disgusting, you'll turn away. But if something is creepy, it might be dangerous, but you're not sure it is. There's an you know, ambiguity about it. Mixed feelings on how you should react. If someone is acting outside of accepted social norms, standing too close or just staring for no reason, we become suspicious of their intentions. Think about how horror movies set up sometimes like the weird neighbor or the bad guy that's just right there. It's just right there. But in the absence of real evidence of a threat, we wait and in the meantime, call them creepy. The upshot to this, being in a state of creeped out makes you hyper vigilant. It really focuses your attention and helps you process any relevant information to help you decide whether there is something to be afraid of or not. 
I'd say creepiness is where we respond in situations where we don't know we have enough information to respond, but we have enough to put us on our guard. Human survival over countless generations depended on the avoidance of threats. At the same time, humans thrived in groups. The creeped out response is shaped by the twin forces of being attuned to potential threats or out of the ordinary behavior and of being wary of rocking the social boat. From an evolutionary perspective, people who responded with this creeped out response did better in the long run. People who didn't might have ignored dangerous things or they're more likely to jump to the wrong conclusion too quickly and become socially ostracized. Dolls inhabit the area of uncertainty largely because they look human, but we know they are not. Our brains are designed to read faces for important information about intentions, emotions, and potential threats. We're so primed to see faces and respond to them that we see them everywhere. In street windows, smears of toothpaste, in toast, and banana peels. We just touched on this with the face on Mars conspiracy theory. We will find faces and images if we just keep looking. However much we know that something, like a doll, is not a threat, seeing a face that looks human but isn't will unsettle most of us. We shouldn't be afraid of a little piece of plastic, but it's sending out social signals, whether it be scared or even wanting to protect the doll. Some researchers also believe that a level of mimicry of nonverbal cues, such as hand movements or body language, is fundamental to smooth human interaction. Thankfully, none of these videos are done on camera or you would see all of my weird hand motions that I do. And if you know me in person, you get to see all of them when I talk. The key to that mimicry of nonverbal cues is that it has to be the right level. Too much or too little and we get creeped out. Dolls don't have the ability to mimic although they do seem to have the ability to make eye contact, which is creepy. But because at least some part of our brain is suspicious about whether this is a human or not, we may expect them to. So there is like a whole theory about creepiness and getting too real and how the realness kind of impacts us on a psychological level, which is the uncanny valley. And we can't talk about creepy dolls without bringing it up. The uncanny valley is this unsettling place where creepy dolls, just like their robot cousins, reside. The uncanny valley refers to the idea that humans react favorably to humanoid figures until a point at which these figures become too human. At that point, the small differences between the human and the inhuman, maybe an awkward gait and inability to use appropriate eye contact or speech patterns, becomes amplified to the point of discomfort, unease, disgust, and even terror. This is just reminding me of the movie Megan. I don't know about y'all. Anyways. The idea originated with Japanese roboticist Mori's 1970 essay anticipating the challenges robot makers would face in the future. Although the title of the paper is more closely translated as Valley of Eeriness, the word uncanny can lead one down a rabbit hole to Freud, the psychoanalyst guy. Specifically, I'm talking about his 1919 paper, The Uncanny. The Uncanny recalls our repressed fears and antisocial desires. The basic idea was that the familiar is somehow rendered strange and that discomfort is rooted in uncertainty. But the uncanny valley is, for scientists and psychologists alike, a gray area. It can be proved or disproved, and we don't know if we're getting to too much of a cliff or going up this uncanny mountain instead of just a valley. But before the 18th and 19th centuries, dolls weren't real enough to be threatening. Up until we got that fake hair, Honestly, I was I would not be scared of a Hus doll or an Apple Core doll or a Peg doll or an assortment of random like a clay doll. But those Victorian dolls, they can get creepy because when they began to look too human, 
That's when dolls started to become creepy, uncanny, and psychology began investigating. Doll manufacturers figured out how to better manipulate materials to make dolls look more lifelike. They developed mechanisms that make them appear to behave in ways that humans behave like the sleep eye innovation in the early 1900s, where the doll would close her eyes when laid horizontal. You know, like how you wish you just magically close your eyes when you lay down. Most likely, the start of the dolls are creepy fad started with these babies. Have you ever seen an older doll from the beginning of the 20th century now? Like going to a museum or even like a maybe like a toy museum specifically, doll houses. See how it's decayed? It is incredibly eerie how the, they decay in inhuman ways. Um, one of my favorite things to do is go back and watch old episodes of BuzzFeed Unsolved and they go to like the, the island of the dolls or even like the dolls in London in the underground, whatever. But all of those dolls that are rotting unintentionally and they're just decaying. Ugh, creepy. The old dolls don't age well. I think any time that a doll looked like a human being and now is 100 years old, you'll see that the hair is decaying. The eyes don't work anymore. Maybe like one does. Kind of look like that Toy Story doll. And it looks as much like a baby as possible, but like an ancient baby. Creepy baby. That's why we're talking about creepy stuff, because we're creepy. But all of this presents an interesting thought. The creepiness of realistic dolls is complicated by the fact that some people want dolls and robots, think of people marrying their sex dolls, okay, that look as lifelike as possible. On the baby spectrum, there are reborns. Reborns are a good illustration of the creepy problem. They're hyper-realistic, custom-crafted infant dolls that reborn artists and makers say you can love forever. The more lifelike an infant doll is, and some of them even those heartbeats, breathing motion, and cooing, the more desirable it is among reborn devotees, but equally the more it seems to repulse the general public. If you've never seen one of those reborn dolls, I strongly suggest going to look, um, looking them up online. You can also find a lot of people who love them and the reasons that they have them can be very heartbreaking as well as it is maybe heartwarming. So that's the history of how dolls are creepy and why, or at least from my research of like why I figured out dolls are kind of creepy and how there's like this whole cycle analysis thing and general things are creepy and why things are creepy, especially things that look like humanoids. But let's talk about what you really came here for, them haunted dolls. So when I think of cursed or haunted dolls, the first thing that pops into my head is not Chucky, it's Annabelle. Do you not know about her? I don't know how, but Annabelle is an allegedly haunted Raggedy Ann doll, housed in the now-closed occult museum of the paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. Annabelle was moved there after supposed hauntings in 1970. According to the Warrens, a student nurse was given the doll in 1971. The student said that the doll behaved strangely and that a psychic medium told her that the doll was inhabited by the spirit of a deceased girl named Annabelle. The student and her roommate tried to accept and nurture the spirit-possessed doll, but the doll reportedly exhibited malicious and frightening behavior. It was at this point that the Warrens say that they were first contacted, moving the doll to their museum after pronouncing it demonically possessed. The doll remained in a glass box at the Warren's Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut until the museum's closing. There are a lot of skeptics to even the idea that items can be possessed. Annabelle is an interesting case study in the relationship between pop culture and paranormal folklore from the 70s. The demonic doll trope popularized by films such as Child's Play, Dolly Dearest, and most recently with The Conjuring, likely emerged from early legends surrounding Robert the Doll, who we will talk about, as well as from a Twilight Zone episode released five years prior to the Warren story entitled Living Doll, 
in which the character of the mother is named Annabelle. In late 2020, rumors began to circulate that Annabelle had escaped the Warren's occult museum, a panic that was eventually swept away when the Warren's son posted a picture of Annabelle safely in her case. I feel if you don't know about Annabelle or even like the stories from the Conjuring universe or those movies, you can go watch them. I believe HBO Max has them, possibly Hulu, whomever has them. Strongly suggest watching if you like creepy um, or being creeped out by things that you necessarily can't see. I feel like dolls are creepier and possibly scarier than just demons and then the possibility of a demon possessed doll. It's kind of creepy, but I'd love to know if you think that Annabelle is possessed or haunted or just creepy, but also it's a Raggedy Ann doll. Like I had Raggedy Ann dolls as a kid, not, not incredibly creepy, but I can see the appeal there. Well, what about Robert the doll? Do you know about Robert? He's an allegedly haunted doll that is now exhibited at the East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida. The doll originally belonged to Robert Eugene Otto, an artist described as eccentric, who belonged to a prominent Key West family. The doll was reportedly manufactured by the Steiff Company of Germany, purchased by Otto's grandfather while on a trip to Germany in 1904, and given to young Otto as a birthday gift. The doll's sailor suit was likely an outfit that Otto wore as a child. So again, outfits mimicking what a child would wear so your doll can be just like you. The doll remained stored in the Otto family home in Key West while Otto studied art in New York and then Paris. Otto married Annette Parker in Paris on May 3rd, 1930. The couple returned to the Otto family home in Key West to live there until Otto died in 1974. According to legend, the doll has supernatural abilities that allow it to move, change its facial expressions, and make giggling sounds. I think that's where I cut it. I don't want the giggles. Some versions of the legend claim that a young girl of Bahamian descent gave Otto the doll as a gift or a retaliation for wrongdoing. Other stories claim that the doll moved voodoo figurines around the room and was aware of what went on around him. Still, other legends claim that the doll vanished after Otto's house changed ownership a number of times after his death, or that young Otto triggered the doll's supernatural powers by blaming his child mishaps on the doll, instead of like an imaginary friend he blamed on the doll. That's poor doll. According to local folklore, the doll has caused car accidents, broken bones, job loss, divorce, and a cornucopia of other misfortunes. And museum visitors supposedly experience post-visit misfortunes for failing to respect Robert. One of those is apparently if you take a photo of Robert without whispering to his ear like, hey, can I take your photo? Is it cool? Okay, you didn't say no, thanks. And then it's cool. But if you just take the photo of him or yourself in a photo with him, acting like you're all cool, apparently horrible things will follow you home. Amazon Prime has a great series lore that has an episode over Robert the Doll, I believe in the first series. It has Pam from True Blood, I love her. So if you're looking to watch something specifically over Robert the Doll, much like how you can watch Annabelle in the Conjuring series, strongly suggest if you don't believe in his curse or magic, you can always go take his picture in his final resting place and just see what happens to you. A lesser known haunted doll, though it might just be me, is Okiku, located in a wooden box on display in a temple in a small town in Japan. It is in what is considered to be kind of like a shrine for this doll. The doll itself stands about 40 centimeters tall and is dressed in a traditional kimono. The hair is black and cut to about shoulder length in a traditional style, and the eyes are piercing like black beads pressed into the lifelike flesh of the face. As the story goes, Okiku was purchased by a young man sometime around 1918 in Japan as a gift for his younger sister, who was only two years old at the time. 
He brought the doll home. The sister fell in love, took it everywhere, dressed it like herself, and even named it after herself, Okiku. They became inseparable up until her untimely death the following year from a severe fever or flu. I found conflicting, like conflicting stories there. The doll was to be buried along with Okiku, but due to some unforeseen circumstance, the doll was never placed with her in her final resting place. The family decided to create a shine in her memory, placing the doll on display instead. Sometime later, they noticed the doll's hair, which, as I mentioned earlier, had originally been cut in a short bob, had grown past its shoulders. They were like, maybe we were just mistaken. But the hair continued to grow. And they also decided to start cutting the doll's hair to a bob every so often as they noticed that the hair kept growing. Well, I don't know if it was the doll or just their luck, but in 1938, the family decided to move. Not wanting to bring Okiku, the doll, with them, possibly out of fear that the magic of the doll would travel with them, they entrusted the doll to the local temple. They informed the priest at the temple of the doll's hair, and the priest, over time, would confirm that the story was true, the hair did indeed grow. Periodically, the hair will get a trim. After the doll was made into a shrine that people could come visit, many people put photos of the doll with different hair lengths onto the small shrine, almost as a way to show that, yes, the hair is growing and that it's being maintained. It has also been said that upon analysis of a cut sample from the hair, that it does indeed belong to that of a child. But since the sample was not cut directly from the doll itself, no definitive conclusion can actually be made. Hmm. Wonder if it's a fake. But also, I'm not going to mess with no doll. I am mess with nothing haunted and creepy. Possible. Mm-mm. But could a doll be haunted just enough that its hair will grow? Who knows? But have you also heard about Lily the doll? Now residing at Zach Baggins of Ghost Adventures fame, his haunted mansion. <laughs> not mansion. Sorry, museum. I guess I have haunted mansion on the brain. Anyways, Lily was made during the 1800s in Germany and features real human hair because real human hair makes it creepy, making it a doll from a most likely upper class family. According to the museum, she was discovered by an antiques dealer who took her home, but began having reoccurring nightmares about a little girl who had a very bad accident. She was subsequently put up for sale at the antique shop. On one occasion, a customer's little girl spoke to the doll for three hours interacting with her like a fellow child. She informed the antique donor that Lily was a little girl that had been subjected to extreme violence. It's weird to have a conversation if you're two kids just being friends, but whatever. When first encountering the doll, Baggins reported that he felt an immense energy radiating from the figure. I find this to be possibly bogus, only because this is the house of someone that profits off of possessions, demons, and ghosts. But I've never seen the doll, so if you have, you let me know if you get those weird eerie feelings or if you caught photos of things around the doll, whatever. Last, but definitely not least, let's talk about Letta, short for Letta Me Out. I'm in love with this doll's name. I'm sure it would also scare the shit out of me if I met it. But Letta, Letta is a 200-year-old wooden doll with human hair. However, when we get to talk about the doll, just know it's probably not upper class especially when you see the photo. Letta was discovered in 1972 beneath an abandoned house in Wagga Wagga, Australia by his current caretaker, Carrie Walton. Walton told the Warwick Daily News, I reckon he walks in the nighttime. We came in here as a new house and I've never heard so many strange things in my life. I love that. I mean, I hear my cats move all the time or I assume it's my cats, but maybe, maybe it's a pillow. Maybe it's like that porcelain doll I have. I don't know. 
The first sign of the doll's eerie powers was when his two children woke up screaming one night saying the doll was talking and moving its head. Many other people over the years have said they have seen it move. Mr. Walton's found scruff marks on the floor of his home as well as objects mysteriously shifted. It's also Australia. I assume a spider could do that for you too. It's not only humans who are freaked out by the doll. Let a meow cannot be around any dogs, apparently. According to Walton, dogs can't stand being around Letta. However, cats are indifferent, but dogs can apparently sense and feel things, even though I swear it's my cats are the ones that like look in the corner and make me think that there's like something there. But also, if you know a little bit, she's scared of flies and she runs to the other room and I'm like, I don't even see a fly, but I'm like, she knows. She knows there's one there. So who knows? A few years after letting me out, join the Waltons, the family was struggling financially. So Mr. Walton decided he was going to sell the doll for a profit because he needed money and people knew how weird the doll was. He found someone online. However, after he found someone to buy the doll and drove to this woman's house, he physically couldn't get Letta out of the vehicle and instead decided to keep the doll. Apparently, he was like, you can't like, figure out why you can't just get this dang thing out of the car. And it was just like a physical force was like, no, can't let you do that. And you know what? I can see some crazy stuff. Anyways, Letta has appeared on many television programs and is often accompanied by a seance. We talked about seances before with my friend Nick about how they can be real, fake, mostly probably fake. But anyways, apparently all the televised seances said the same thing. They believe the doll has the spirit of a young boy inside who died many years ago. Well, no shit, it's a 200-year-old doll. And a drowning, and that's, and that's why it always rains whenever Letta is taken somewhere. The doll was checked out by scientists at the Australian Museum in Sydney. According to their findings, based on the nails in the doll's shoes, they predict Letta Me Out is around 200 years old and was handcrafted by wandering gypsies, wandering gypsies in Eastern Europe. It is made from wood with real human hair, has glass eyes that see all, and also has some sort of brain, apparently. Walton has started an Instagram page dedicated to the doll that you absolutely can follow. It's kind of creepy, but... I mean, I follow weirder stuff. So, I mean, I follow raccoon memes. Letting me out is not that much worse, I don't think. Well, which of these dolls do you think might actually be haunted or cursed, possessed? Because they all absolutely sound like they're at least super creepy. Though I don't think I'll be intentionally seeking any of these dolls out ever. Well, that's going to do it on today's episode of But Have You Heard About? I hope you learned a bit about creepy dolls and why maybe you find clowns, dolls, and even robots creepy. And next, until next time, I hope you have a wonderful day, night, evening, weekend, whatever you may be doing, and enjoy life. Bye!